Hello, Warriors. How are you guys doing today? This is Sunday, uh, uh, October the 22nd, uh, 2023. And you are listening to Horror Movie Warriors. Um, uh, yeah, this is my Halloween extravaganza. You guys know that that is what I call this um, extra um, extra episodes. Uh, you guys... Uh, heard heard um on friday i did um oh my gosh what did i do on friday <laughs> i forgot what i did on friday you guys oh my gosh uh i know yesterday i did uh slumber, slumber friday massacre three i just forget what i did on friday i'm tired too guys let me tell you let me tell you yesterday <laughs> yesterday i did the podcast right after the podcast we had to take my son to a birthday party, okay? The birthday party was at a place called uh, Air Frisco or something like that. I think that's what it's called, Air Frisco. And guys, when I tell you that I am out of shape, I'm out of shape. I, I See, Brian couldn't play with them because, you know, Brian is bigger than I am. And uh, so I was with with Christopher. I was, you know, I, we were in the obstacle course. I could not keep up with my son. My son is fast, you guys. My son is too fast. And I, I guys, by the end of it, I was tired, and my body right now hurts. <laughs> and on top of that, I have my 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 right back tooth. I think I even I either I either tipped it or it came off or I need a feeling in it because my it hurts like H E double hockey six. So yeah, I, I'm feeling it today. But okay, but I did remember what I discussed on Friday though. It was Halloween ends. And I didn't like Halloween ends, which is probably why I forgot that I did it. But uh, but yeah, Halloween ends uh, was on Friday. Yesterday was Summer Party Massacre 3. And today we are discussing Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, and uh, I think we have our Matt with us. Hi. Hi. We were, we were just talking about you, love. Oh, sorry, I was, I dozed off. <laughs> yeah, we were saying how you were probably um, uh, tired because I know Colorado is like, what, three hours difference from us, right? No, it's only an hour behind y'all. Oh, okay. It's, it's a, yeah, it's only, uh, it's only noon right, right now. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought it, but I'm thinking, you know what, I'm thinking about Arizona. That's what I'm thinking Maybe. about. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm so glad that you made it. Yes. Yes. I, I have missed you, Matt. You have not been on here for a long time. Not since X. I know. Not since X. But before, <laughs> even before X, you hadn't been on for quite a while. Yeah. Life. Yeah. yeah. Life be life. And I, I tell you. Life be life in. But, uh, well, guys, okay. So, we all know that we love Wes Craven's New Nightmare. 
I, do you guys think it held up, uh, you know, from part one and part two? And, you know, how, do, do, you, do you think that it was better or less better than all the other ones? Uh, uh, Matt, I'll, I'll ask you first. What do you think about that? Uh, it's, well, for me, I look at Nightmare like a trilogy. You can look at one and three and new nightmare because they're all Nancy. Oh yeah. And yeah, and it it tells a cohesive story. It's actually a really good I think it holds up very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh uh Miss Rose, how about you? What what do you think? I think there's great continuity, especially when Freddy's tongue comes out of the phone. In New Nightmare, that was awesome. <laughs> but, you know, they bring in a lot of elements from the original movie. And the fact that she started getting the phone calls two months ago when the dream started for Wes. Yeah, I totally think it holds up. But it's also a great standalone. It would be a great introduction to the Freddy movies if you weren't already a fan. Because it's not as bloody, it's not as gruesome. So somebody who's a little leery of all that might actually enjoy this more like I do. Right. This is my absolute favorite Freddy movie. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yes, I think it holds up well, and just the fact that they were able to get all these people to play themselves. Right, yeah. Because a lot of those people don't want to be on camera. Right, and that's the awesome part of it. Mm -hmm. So you got to see some of the names that are faces behind the names that you see on the internet that you read about in the magazines or at least yep. back in the day we read about them in the magazines bingo oh yeah I, 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 uh, I, I'm going to have to uh, get a subscription to Fangoria because I can't find them in the markets anymore I used to be able to go to a bookstore or even um, like um, I know I used to go to Target all the time and find Fangoria, but this was like back in the early 2000s, so, so you can't really do that anymore. I sell it at the Brian Newsstand in Ohio. I wasn't there. And I would just stand there and read it on my off time. Well, you guys know what, uh, guys, this before I get to you, I totally forgot to introduce you guys to the listeners. <laughs> well, I have Matt with me. You've already heard his voice. You've heard Miss Rose's voice. Her husband, David, is with her. And then we have Miss Costance Goodrich or Mrs. Costance Goodrich. So this, that's, this is my guest. These are my guests today, um, warriors. <laughs> Now, Constance, how about you? How does it hold up? Or do you even think that it holds up? Oh my god, this movie holds up to all the movies that had Nancy. I agree. Because it not only brings up a good 
plot line and stuff to the series, but it almost like suggests that Freddy had materialized into this real being because of the movies itself. And through the creation of, you know, wanting to escape and becoming more evil and more dark than what he originally had been, you know, I think it holds up really well. And again, there was a lot of big name actors in there that was from the first one and especially the funeral scene. If you look in the back of the funeral scene, you'll see like a bunch of the actors that was in the first one. Oh, yeah. And the other ones as well. So I think it holds up. It's like one of my favorite out of the series. Like I will watch that over and over. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. I I think it was a great concept that Wes Craven had. As a matter of fact, and I'm sure you guys probably already know this, which is why I didn't put it in my fun facts, because I knew that it would come up. Um, I'm sure you guys know that part three was actually supposed to be this one. Did you guys know that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Wes Craven actually wanted the third one to be where, you know, the actors from the first film, you know, was being terrorized, you know, so... And I think it was a very good concept that maybe it just wasn't time for it to be used. And in 1994, 10 years after the fact, that was the time that they, you know, and I think that that's probably what it was. And as it should be, because, you know, um, for, I mean, what else were you going to do for the 10 year anniversary, you know? That seemed like an awesome, awesome way to celebrate, you know. Even for 1994, it was ahead of its time. Um, oh, yeah. We didn't, start, we didn't start getting real meta horror movies until Scream in 96. So, you know, it was his first attempt at a meta horror. And uh, I think he, that he was successful in it. But, it, it, you know... A lot of people didn't really understand the concept when it came out. Right, right. But uh, but Wes Craven, God bless him, he understood all too well. And he and like um uh, um somebody else was saying uh, one of the actors, and I think it might have been Heather Leggenkamp, uh, you know, she said that Wes just understood. You know, not, uh, you know, he understood the horror and he understood the teenage mind, you know, um, for writing part one and part three. Um, well, did he even, I, I knew, I know he didn't direct part three, but did he write part three? Or was he supposed to? I think he was supposed to write part three, but he, he didn't. supposed to, but I think he wrote a script and they used some of it. Um, but they rewrote a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I agree, Matt. I think that's what I heard. So, but, but yeah, but he just, you know, he, man, Wes Craven, but I, I so wish I could have met Wes Craven. He was actually at Texas Frightmare Weekend, I think the year before he died. It was either a year. David, you might know this. I mean, because you've been to Texas Frightmare Weekend before I I started started going going. in 2013. And 
through those years he was never there he might have been at the previous year because it seems like a lot of people that I wanted to meet that died uh, in the past 10 years or so were all at Frightmare 2012 I know Roddy Piper was there uh, mm-hmm. uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis was there um and so Wes Craven, he might have been there too. That I started going to TFW a year too late. Right, right. Well, I started going uh, in 2018. Yeah, 2019 for me. Yeah. Well, Constance, when did you start going? Uh, let's see. Me and my husband. I think it was around 2018, 2019, something like that, because I know my husband didn't even know about Texas Front. We didn't even know it existed, and he was just going through the internet, and it came up on his Facebook page, and he ended up just buying tickets. We ended up just going. So. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I know for me, um, I knew about it back in, like, because I had moved to Texas in 2013, and on a whim, I was just like, hmm, I wonder if they have like a horror movie convention. And so I, I looked it up and sure enough, they had one and, and it was on my birthday weekend too, you know, but my birthday had just passed. And so, and, uh, and Brian had not yet moved down here with me. He was still in Michigan. So we, we just didn't um, make our way up there until 2018. So, but yeah, but yeah, I, I hate that I was not able to meet Wes Craven, as I'm sure all of you are too. Uh, but oh, yeah. uh, so let's get let's get on into the questions. Uh, okay, so who was your favorite character? Uh, Constance, I'll, I'll um, come to you first uh, for this question. Who was your favorite character? Mine was always was always the babysitter. I love Joy. She she was she just reminded me of like the good faith you still had in this world. She uh, faced yeah. all this, you know, like even though she knew that things were happening with Heather and her family and stuff, she was always right there by Heather's side or trying to make sure that Nolan was fine and making sure that there was just someone to kind of uphold the strength where maybe there was none at some points i mean like i i love the whole scene where she ends up pushing both nurses out the door locking it and then proceeded trying to get dylan not to fall asleep that's just heroic for me right right so yeah she was always just my favorite character she always will be too Miss Rose, how about you? Who was your favorite character? Robert. Hands down. Robert <laughs> Englund. There's just something about him when he's on the screen. He's captivating. Oh, yes. He is he very charismatic. This charm. And although he's not good looking in the traditional sense, his charm and his charisma shine through to the point where he's very attractive. Yeah. At least for me. I, I, I thought so too. Was in B. I was totally crushing on him in B, which <laughs> was, predates the uh, 
Friday the 13th series. You mean on Nightmare on Elm Street? I'm sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street series. I'm tired. I'm Hey, we all are. I can see it on all of our faces. We are tired. Yeah, Rosa, she came to the after party after the show last night. Oh, yeah, Matt. David David does um, Shadowcast for um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, awesome. I used to run one in Shreveport, but I don't live there anymore. What was it called? Uh, We were the Theater Macabre. Oh, we're the Untamed Things. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was up for 24 hours yesterday. And then I got about three hours of sleep before doing this. So forgive me if my names are. Oh, girl, yes. I, I forgive you. I will forgive us all because we are all <laughs> tired right now. But anyway, it's got to be Robert because when he's on the screen, he captivates. He steals the scene. Yes, he uh, he's very mesmerizing. I mean, even as Freddy, you know, when when he's yes. playing Freddy, he just and he has kind of like a, a a theater, and it could be because he was in theater, right? He was um, I know he uh, went to college um, up at um, Oakland University in Michigan um, for theater. I believe so and and that could be why you know he just has this theater theater this theater thing you know and you know it, like very poetic yeah and where that really shines is in uh his um when he was in the adaptation of phantom of the opera Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that what? That's the only one I have not seen yet. I have not seen. You gotta see it, girl. You gotta see it. It is awesome. He is fantastic in that movie. I can't Eight wait time. to see it. Yes. I cannot mm-hmm. wait to see it. But uh, well, uh, David, uh, what, what is your um, uh, favorite, or who is your favorite character? Well, you also forgot. You forgot to ask me what I thought about this movie too. Oh, I'm sorry. See, I'm. I tell you, I'm tired. <laughs> we, All right, I'm gonna get both these through. Um, I think that this movie holds up. It was a very good concept, and there are always those people. Whenever you talk to them about horror movies, they say they're all the same. I mean, all the Freddy movies are the same. All the Jason movies are the same. Like. Apparently, you didn't watch Wes Craven's new Nightmare. Right. Yeah. So, anybody, anytime somebody says that to you, say, watch Wes Craven's new Nightmare. And then once they see it, they'll shut up. <laughs> My favorite character, of course, like Rose, is Robert England playing Robert England. Right. <laughs> he is just so awesome as play, portraying himself and portraying Freddy as Freddy was originally meant to be this was right Wes Craven's original concept of Freddy Krueger yes. more menacing more dark and not as funny another reason why Robert's our favorite it's a sentimental thing because me and my lovely wife here we got married on Halloween oh your anniversary and, is coming up yep it sure is and um at our wedding um Uncle Andy he had this life-size uh, Freddy Krueger doll that you walked by it and it would say stuff. I'm sure they have a spare Halloween. 
Uh-huh. It's motion activated. And my little, now it was time for me to do my vows. So we did our own vows. And when it was time for my vows, my little cousin, uh, Zayden, walked by it and it said, I forget what it said, something like, I will drag your soul to the depths of hell. And I just, yeah, and I just looked at my wife and said, what he said. <laughs> so Robert England gave me my um, wedding vow. So you said our wedding, your wedding vows. <laughs> yeah. So love you, Robert. Love you, Freddie. <laughs> That's sweet. Weird, but sweet. <laughs> and it and, was perfect for my husband. Right. <laughs> well, knowing David. The way I know David now, yes, it was, Miss Rose. <laughs> and, and Matt, how about you? Who was your favorite you know, character? Um, Heather. Yeah. For me, it's this is her movie. Mm-hmm. This is her movie. She start to finish. Yep. This all about Heather Lindenkamp and um. A lot of it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is going to show up in your fun facts, but um, this was a hard move for her to do because she had a stalker. Yeah. Um, yeah. In- I knew that would come up too, so I didn't put it in my uh, fun facts. Yeah. And and it just shows like her, you know, Chops is an actor to work through that, that fear, that real fear that she had. Um, in right. her own life put that into art and into this movie and like she just shines in every she does um, she's such an underrated actress and, and I think more people should have their eyes on Heather yep I, I think so too Matt and I, I don't know if you all knew this or not but her husband was asked to play you know, of course, her husband too, but he declined. Okay. Yep, he declined. So, but I, I, but you know, in retrospect, I can understand why he would decline, and I could understand why Heather would be reluctant to play. You know, what is her life? You know, what was going on at the time? Um, that would be scary. You know. That would be scary. Uh, heck, that's why. Um, what's her name? Um, the girl that plays Alice on Friday the Thirteenth. That's why she didn't come back for the second one. She was scared. She had a stalker, and you know, wasn't no telling what the stalker might might have done. You know, and so you know, I really, um, yes, uh, and Heather did a good job portraying. You know what was happening in her own real life and that's why she's my favorite character as well matt yeah i agree and uh and constance who was your um uh favorite character she already told you yeah the oh the, oh i'm sorry see guys i'm tight yeah, yeah. my mind is I, was, uh, I do have one question though yeah Did anybody ever see uh the sitcom that she was in called uh, just the ten of us. Yes. I've never heard of it until I watched it. It was on television. Yeah, I did too. Uh, it came on uh, Channel Seven, TGIF. Uh, USA. 
or USA for me. But uh, in the very in the pilot episode, she comes in Heather Langkamp's character. Her name. They're they come into this house that they in, and it's all like covered in cobwebs. She walks into the kitchen. There's a like a knife and a butcher block. And she says, "This is like something out of Nightmare on Elm Street." <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and she wasn't the only one on there that was a part of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, yeah. Uh, Joanne. Yeah. Okay. The middle sister Connie yes. was in Nightmare on and the one of the older blonde girl Brooks Easton is uh, Debbie in four. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, and you, yeah, it, it, you've never seen this series, David. You gotta remember, I the only series that was ever on in my home, uh, growing up was Night Court. My mom just had a thing for Harry Anderson. She would even <laughs> tape the episodes and watch them over and over again after the. <laughs> season, um, well, I can understand why. I mean, Night Court was good too. Uh, you know. And Harry Anderson was a good-looking man. Yeah, I had a crush on Harry, and my sister had a crush on Larroquette. Oh, yeah, John Larroquette was a good-looking man, too. <laughs> yeah. And then I go to my grandparents, and this is what this was Grandpa Saturday Night. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Walker, Texas Ranger, and the News. Yep, that was my grandmother Saturday night. So I understand that all too well. <laughs> Well, okay, so who was everybody's least favorite character? And I bet we all have the same one. But um, uh, uh, Matt, I'll go to you first for this one. Who was who your least favorite character? The doctor. Yes. Yeah, the doctor. I don't care what your oaths and your Hippocratic oaths and everything that you, you know, whatever you're trying to do, I understand I understand where she's coming from and she sees it as a sign of abuse. But, like, you have a hysterical woman telling you this is what's happening, you know, and it was just such a, a coldness to this woman. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately, you see that a lot in the medical profession. So it just, I guess it was realistic, but it really sucked. Yeah. So I, 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 I agree with you on that too, Matt. Sure enough, I agree. And, and Cassis, how about you, hon? Who was your least favorite character? I have to agree. I did not, it wasn't just the nurse for me, it was the whole medical staff. All those nurses, like yeah. what got me was when uh, she was demanding where to know Dylan was, and they finally let her see him but they're whispering in the hallways to each other about yeah. her depriving him of sleep and like yep. having allegations and then pulling her into a room accusing her of like on some kind of drugs and being psycho and stuff so I mean like I did not agree with any of the medical staff like I didn't like any of the medical staff yeah yeah well the only one I liked was um Lynn Shay Lynn Shay was really nice I liked her well, character I mean, Okay, granted her, but I'm talking more about the nurses that were whispering in the hallway. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. like later that night, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, David, who is your least favorite character? I think I'm pretty much in agreement with everybody. Um, it was Dr. Christine Hester, played by Fran Bennett. She just comes off as a judgmental and condescending doctor. Yes, he did. And and also, I work in the medical profession. I've been involved in it for 20 years. I'm a pharmacy technician at our local hospital. And she just comes off as like every cold and uncaring doctor that I've met in my 20 years profession. And I find it also interesting that Wes Craven named her after a former MPAA reading chief, Richard Hefner, which, <laughs> whom um, Wes Craven butted heads over due to censorship of his films. And didn't we talk about that in uh, the, my Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 podcast where it seemed like New Line was always getting in trouble with censorship? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it seemed like all of them, though, because even Paramount, because, you know, Friday the 13th, uh, they had to cut a lot of their stuff because of the MPAA, and they're under P- Paramount. So I think all of those studios just, yeah. Yeah. Of course, it's not the MPAA anymore. It's just the MPAA now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But... I just, I just thought that was a good, you know, um, what, what is it? Some, what do they call it? A thinly veiled shade. <laughs> yes. Yes. He uh, was so. He definitely was throwing shade. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about censorship with Paramount and with this because all three of these movies, are the first Friday, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and the first two Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, were on the uh, the video nasties list, the section three list. Um, they're pretty. Do you guys love horror toys? Are you a horror collector? Well, there's a store in Allen, Texas named Elm Street Toys that sells all things horror. You can buy action figures, Chucky dolls, board games, and even air freshener. Elm Street Toys is ridiculously inexpensive. You guys can get a Mezco 172 Collective Halloween 2 Michael Myers for $89.99 off of their website. Their website is www.elmstreettoys.com. If you guys can't make it into into the store, you guys can definitely go on their website and shop until you drop. Again, the name is Elm Street Toys. The location is Allen, Texas. And if you guys cannot get to the store, the website is www.elmstreettoys.com. Enjoy your horror toys. Okay. I'm sorry about that, Warriors. Oh, my goodness. We got cut off. I was not looking at the time. I was just so... in. Thawed in what David was saying, 
So, David, uh, if you can, if you can remember, what were you saying when I cut you off? I was saying that those three movies were on the um, the video nasties list. They were the now, which movies? List. Which movies did you say were on there? Just in case it, that got cut off. The the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie and the first two uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, I can understand um friday the 13th being a part of the nasties but nightmare on elm street i don't understand because well remember the scene with johnny Depp's that scene oh okay blood for the yeah. time that was that was super boring and yeah exactly. originally we're gonna have his body rise up out of the bed and collapse after the gesture of blood. Oh. Yeah. And and also Johnny Depp was almost in a new nightmare. Or he could have been. Yeah, yeah, I did re read about that too. And what's Craven um says it on the commentary. You guys know I love um looking at movies uh with commentary. And um that's Craven said that he was uh he was scared to approach um, Johnny Depp with, and if I was him, I probably would have too, because Johnny Depp is now such a big star, you know, yeah. or he was at the time he was, you know, in 94, yeah. he was just come on his way up. Yeah. I'm just going to say this, had it not been for the doctor being in this movie, being so cold, Ali's favorite character would have been, um, Nico Hughes, uh, Dylan. Oh, really? <laughs> he comes off. He reminds me of the kid from Babadook. Oh no, I couldn't hit Babadook. I I couldn't. I would hit him with my car. <laughs> <laughs> that was turned to hereditary. Uh, Just you know what? I feel that same way about the girl that um uh, plays in Pet Cemetery. The the little girl that was Ellie in the 1989 version. Oh, that girl was so whiny. I couldn't stand it. Yeah, I couldn't stand her or Dave. It was also Nico you. Right. This came full circle there. Has he been to TFW? Miko Hughes, uh, not yet. Not I yet. Him at, I met him at a con in Shreveport called Con. Super sweet guy. Um, uh, and it has any. Uh, short film. Oh, it's, uh, it's called it's called Dylan's New Nightmare. Oh yeah, and Dylan's New Nightmare. Yeah, he that is a um a short fan film. I have yes, not seen it. I thought that it was still still in production. Nope, it just released a few weeks ago, and it's thirty minutes long on YouTube. And they're hoping to like add more parts to it, but it's very good. Oh my gosh! Is it on YouTube? Uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out um today. I'll put it on the group page. Or if any one of you um beat me to it, that'll be fine. If anyone of you wants yeah. to put it on the group page, go right on ahead. I'll do it. But um, if you guys beat beat me to it, that's fine. Uh. Yeah, I really very good. Yeah, I want I want to see it because I I learned I found out about that um, during this past summer. 
I found out about Dylan's new nightmare. And I said, I want to see that, but I thought that it was still in production. Check your audio, uh, Latrice. Um, there's like some buzzing. And yeah, I'm yeah, to- I hear it too. I thought I thought I was the only one hearing it. Let me see. I thought I was the only one hearing it. Or what? For a second. Let me see. You know what? Let me go to another quick break while I um, check this out. I'm going to go for another quick break, guys. We'll be right back. All right, Warriors, we are back and we are back in session everything is cool now you don't hear any um noises and we don't hear any noises either so (laughs) so okay so um now we can go ahead and get back to it um miss rose uh uh i know i i hadn't come to you yet uh who was your least favorite character i've actually got two the first one is the younger nurse yeah when they come in to give dylan the shot and you got the older nurse messing around putting stuff into the syringe and um keeping the attention from the babysitter and dylan then you've got the one who's pretending to be all nicey nice and rolling up dylan's sleeve and then she jabs him mm-hmm. on her face i wanted to yep. go uh, hereditary hours. Wipe that face off your face. Right. That makes me so mad. Oh um, my gosh. You had this look of na 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 na. I stabbed him anyway. Right. Like, yeah. I, I I actually would have heard to slap her and not the. Well, I'm glad that she slapped the older nurse too, but I also want her to smack her. <laughs> I mean, I could hear Prince. Act your age, not your shoe size, mama. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> acts like a child like that. She was just being a Karen. I'm there. I said yeah, it. Yep. You're right. You're right. They both were. Yeah, she was. And she then, was. of course, no surprise, the doctor. Now, this woman has been brilliant in other roles. I saw her on other things in the 80s oh yeah and she's another one i think she um did theater yes she was a theater award winner multiple times known for her deep voice and her height oh yeah she was a tall woman (laughs) however when you start accusing a parent of child abuse without full documentation. Mm. It's not her place to do the accusations. It's her place to report to the social worker. Then the social worker reports to the police after the social worker has found grounds. Then the police confront the parent with the social worker. Right. 
So the whole thing wasn't done right. Wes didn't do enough research there. And I'm kind of disappointed in Wes for not doing the research. Because even the 80s, it was done that way, even in the 90s. Hmm. And because something similar happened with me, that just made me hate that doctor when I saw her do that. Right, yeah, I can understand her. Oh, I can understand that too, Rose. Uh, when I had my daughter, good little short story here. When I had my daughter, um, I'm a thin person, okay? And the doctor had come in because my daughter somehow had jaundice or they thought she had jaundice. She not only questioned who my mother-in-law was to my son but she turned around after she excused them and asked me if i did illegal drugs if that's why i was so skinny mm-hmm. what yep and yeah what so i told so i basically up and told her that i did not want her touching me or my child anymore that if she came into yep. my room that she would be in huge trouble and i reported her to her higher head so yes i understand what you what you mean by that yeah well my daughter required ten thousand calories a day to maintain her weight she had a severe overactive metabolism Mm. and it had been so since infancy we had to basically feed her around the clock as an infant and she was labeled failure to thrive she was put on special formulas all this other stuff and she was always underweight always flash forward to her being a teenager she's so skinny you could see most of her bones and we're in Atlanta Mm. the teacher calls in the nurse the nurse looks at her and says oh she's anorexic bulimic what a child just automatically assumes by noon cps is pounding not knocking pounding on my door and the first thing they do is start going through my cupboards to see if i've got food and start accusing me because of this nurse that I don't feed my child enough. See, and it's home from school. CPS is still there accusing me. Mm. And my daughter walks through the door. The first thing she does, opens the fridge, grabs a couple of pickles, a few slices of readily sliced cheese that I always kept in the fridge and some fried bacon that I always kept in the fridge because that was what she liked for an after-school snack. Mm-hmm. So she eats. Puts everything on a plate, comes in, plunks down on the couch and starts watching cartoons. And then she realizes that there's somebody there. And she turns and she goes, of course, being the kid she was, who the blank are you? And the social worker looks at her and says, are you actually going to keep it down? And my daughter looks at her and she goes, what the blank? 
I'm not anorexic or bulimic. I have to have high volumes of food every day. She goes, after this, I'm going to go have probably half a box of Pop-Tarts. Now, when I bought Pop-Tarts, I bought the 12-pack. Right. So she would go have six Pop-Tarts. And I had a lasagna in the oven. (laughs) So, you know, all because this nurse sees my kid being too skinny. I was now watched and interviewed weekly by CPS for a year and a half. Oh my gosh. So every time I see that doctor do this to Heather, I want to just slap her. Yeah, because you go back to that time. Prejudge. She's like, oh, you're a star. So you must be on drugs and you must be a horrible mother and blah, 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 whatever else was going through her mind. Yeah, the connotation of the fact that Heather's a horror movie actress. Um, exactly. And, and the ju- the judgment in her voice when she talks mm-hmm. about watch your movies and it's like um I know plenty of I know plenty of people that have let their children watch horror movies at a young age and they turned out just fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at me. Because they understand the difference between movies and real life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, my daughter recognized the voices of actors on Disney films when she saw them acting in live shows. And she's like, hey, he's the voice of, or she's the voice of. Right. And I would just look over at her. And I said, you recognize that? Because she was three. Well, and right. understanding it. So when her father at three years old started showing her, guess what? The first three Freddies. Right. She totally understood that it was all make-believe. Right, right. But that didn't stop her from wanting to tape knives to her fingers and go scare her dad. And, and you know, uh, what you and Constant, the, the stories that you and Constance just spoke of, that actually is a fear for me because Christopher is really skinny and he, uh, you know, with him being autistic, he is a very picky eater. So we have to go to the nutritionist every three months. You know, he's finally starting to gain weight right now, but at any given moment, they could try to take my son away from me and that is a fear of mine. That's why you keep all that documentation. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when yeah. I showed the caseworker the recommendations from the doctors that she needed all of these calories a day mm-hmm. and that I had all the food for it in the house, she still didn't believe me and said that my daughter throws it up. And I'm like, no, yeah. she doesn't. Yeah, when she lived here, she went through a lot of food. I almost, did she ever gain an ounce? No, but I, I'm i just like, where does this go? Where does it go? Because <laughs> I'll never forget, I, we 
bought a bunch of food. And I think we went on a road trip or something. We came yeah. back and most of it was gone. What I really got, what really got me was she got into my chips. <laughs> I remember I found my, this empty bag of chips <laughs> and I'm just like, what? what? I was flabbergasted. I'm just like all this food. I mean, so she does. Me I mean, days. she does eat. So yeah, it would take me days to eat this. She had it all gobbled up in like two days, a whole weekend, and then she got into my chips. I'm just like, yep. It is got to crazy. The point where I was labeling my stuff. Do not touch. <laughs> yeah. Well, she yeah. Here for five months, our grocery bill nearly tripled. <laughs> well, so then we all agree that the doctor is our favorite, yep. if not yeah. if not one least. of our favorite characters, our least favorite characters. So. I would like to do an honorable mention for the limo driver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was obnoxious. He was smarmy. It's a small part, but he was so smarmy. I was like, just drive the car. Right, not, like, don't not, talk, don't talk. Terribly unprofessional. Yes. And the, mean, and Heather's just sitting there, like, will you please just shut up? Yeah. <laughs> that was the look on her face. <laughs> you were hired to drive a car. Drive the car. That's <laughs> all you have to do. Uh, okay, so what is everybody's favorite scene in? Um, uh, uh, West Gravest New Nightmare. And uh, Matt, I'll go to you first for this one, huh? What, what, what was your um, favorite scene? Oh, gosh. Um, I I think I would have to say Julie's death um, because it's such a great homage to the original film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's brutal. So brutal and it's so hard to watch because Dylan's right there like seeing it all happen and it's just so traumatizing uh, that it's happening in front of like a, a five or a six year old yeah so yeah but it's it's such a great callback to the original film yeah and I, I think it's well done it was it was very well done and Constance, how about you, my love? Who, who, uh, what was your favorite scene? It's the same for me. Tina's death scene in the first one where she's being dragged up onto the ceiling. You know, Rob had to watch her hit the bed at the end. And then, like, when they redid it for New Nightmare, but it was a babysitter, I just like how she reached out for Dylan before she died. Mm -hmm. You know? It just, it, it just, yeah. See how Matt did that? Yeah, it, it got, it got me right in the heart too. Yeah. I was like trying not, yeah, I was trying not to cry so bad. But yeah, that that this, that was my favorite scene too, just because it was an iconic kill from the original movie that they brought back. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, David, how about you? What was your favorite scene? From from what y'all are kind of telling me, from y'all's favorite death scene, um. With this being like the 10th anniversary of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, doesn't it seem kind of like it's a love letter to the original Nightmare on Elm Street? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I kind of have two favorite scenes that are kind of um, 
are kind of my favorite. Um, the first one is when Robert, when Heather calls Robert England, Robert England's making that painting, and you see that Freddie is being haunted by Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to say that is a beautiful painting. I would want that painting. Oh, I'm sure it would go for thousands of dollars on eBay. That was just so cool, and it was just beautiful, but terrifying at the same time. Kind of like um, Mozart's uh, Don Giovanni. Mm. Um, my second favorite is when Heather and Wes are talking, and Wes is saying, you know, talking about the new Freddy movie which the working title of this movie was called A Nightmare on Elm Street 7, The Ascension. I'm so glad that they, they didn't go with that. Oh, my goodness. There's it, something about yeah, that it, word, it, it, Ascension. It's kind of lame, but I just love how they're talking and how he's talking about how Freddy is coming into from the movies into our real life. And then you look at his computer screen and you see uh, the conversation between him and Heather. Not Nancy ever mm -hmm. and it's just one of those that this the other movies let's face it are body counts yeah this one isn't this is one that is a cerebral horror this is one that messes with your head and yeah. it makes to me it makes freddie bigger than life it makes him more real it makes him yeah more of a how do you say it an entity yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's why I say any of you who think all the Freddy movies are the same, you need to watch Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yep, because it is completely different. Completely. And Miss Rose, what is your favorite scene? Well, similarly to David, I love the scene where Freddy is painting. But... Mm -hmm. I love it because it is showing Robert Englund as a human being. Oh, yeah. When we did see him in the movie, here's Freddy. And that's how people think of him. He's Freddy, or he's V, or he's the Phantom, but he's a human. He's a person who does mm. other things. And here he is with this beautiful garden in the background. And he's in his home, and you see him making himself a drink and painting and talking on the phone like a normal human being. Mm -hmm. And it's like a glimpse behind the mask. Mm -hmm. Who is this man? Yeah. And it reminded me of my all-time favorite cinematic man, Vincent Price. Mm. Oh my he God. was known as a great art lover and a painter. Both of them are Renaissance men in their own rights. Oh, yeah. So it tied my new cinematic crush with my old cinematic crush and just brought them full circle together. Did, did Robert England and Vincent Price ever make a movie together? Not to that would have been so cool if they had done a movie That, that would have been cool. <laughs> However, Vincent Price was in a video 
with the man who played Freddy's daddy. Freddy's oh, foster daddy. Yeah, well, she's referring to Freddy's dead, the final nightmare, Alice Cooper. Yeah, Alice played, Cooper. Uh, yeah. He Vincent played, Price was actually in a video for Alice Cooper. Uh, I, I'm not I surprised. Believe, I believe I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep, I'm not surprised. Well, like and uh, I mean, I, I want to say they were both on um, uh, Robert England and Vincent Price was on the um, that, you know, they used to do that horror hall of fame. And I believe that they uh, they did that like in the early 90s. And I believe they were both in one of them. It was either in the one in 90, 91 or 92. Um because I I had put one two of them actually up on the group page, but I forget if they were in the same one or not. Yeah, but you know, uh, my favorite scene was actually David's favorite scene, but for the reason that Rose said that that the Robert England scene was her favorite scene. I loved that we got to see Wes on camera. Yeah, I love that we got to see Wes, you know, um, pitching out ideas for a movie. You know, I, I'm glad that we got to see him doing that. Uh, it just, uh, like you said, you, you've said meta so many times, Matt, and I agree with you. That was meta for me. Yes. Yeah. I, I just think that, um, uh, that, you know, for me, that was such a cool thing that we got to see. And like I said, I, the whole movie was a great concept anyway. You know, yeah. um, let's, you know let's see what our lives have become. And let's see, you know, what would happen if Freddy was real, for real in our lives. Yeah, because wasn't it nine years later they did Freddy versus Jason? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which all, which this year celebrates its twentieth anniversary. <sighs> oh yes, I made, us, I made us all feel old. Anyhow, could you imagine what it would have been like? like could, would have man would have been like if Jason had met this Freddy? Oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah. Good. that's a good that's a good question. Or how about the reboot Freddy? Oh no no no! no, no, no I I no, think Jason no. could win against that if dude. Been Robert playing it that evilly, that coldly. I don't think it would have been the phenomenon that it was. Do you mean the franchise or the, the franchise? Fr yeah, well, yeah, I mean because Freddy. I mean, who calls them Nightmare on Elm Street? Everybody calls them the Freddy films. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he is so charismatic. Very. I mean, we when I was in high school, girls would write on their T-shirts, "Freddie's my boyfriend," <laughs> or "I'm Freddie's girlfriend," and they'd even draw the phone and the tongue coming out of it because you couldn't buy the T-shirts yet. Yeah, yeah, it's not like today where you can get a horror movie t-shirt anywhere. Back then, you had to really work hard to get your t-shirt. Like, I think you had to go through the magazines, didn't you? 
probably they were available they were extremely expensive you'd send them your money and then half the time you didn't get your product so you lost okay. your money because a lot of them were just shim shams flim flams and then those when you actually did get the t-shirts it was months later and guess what you're a different size now so you can't wear the dang thing <laughs> it's funny. You know, you're buying them and they aren't done growing yet right especially the girls they might develop a chest where they didn't have one before so that medium they ordered no longer fits they needed a large or in the case of my high school um they got pregnant yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I was telling you, uh, Latrice, um, here in Abilene, we had the, we were in the Guinness Book of World Records of most, most churches per capita. However, at one point, we had the highest rate of teenage pregnancy. Go figure. Right. Right. My high school looked like a maternity ward. <laughs> oh, oh. It, oh, my gosh. But that was because girls, it was a Catholic school. Well, through eighth grade, you could go to the private Catholic school, St. Joe's. And then you were, girls were encouraged to be married and pregnant by 16, by the church. And even by the school. Oh, my gosh. And you could come to school with your big old pregger belly and, um, then you could drop out for a year to take care of your baby until you could put the baby in daycare and then come back to school and pick up where you left off as if so they really encouraged they encouraged girls to actually have babies at the age of 16. wow 15 and 16 yes wow that's crazy only if you're married Right, right, right. Not, not a, out of wedlock. And that's like, crazy. Hey. That's even crazier to me, but oh well. <laughs> I mean, they flat out told me when I went in and asked why I wasn't allowed to take higher math and higher science. They said, well, you're a girl. You can be barefoot pregnant and in a kitchen by now. Oh my gosh. From the superintendent. Oh and my gosh. I looked at him and I said, that's not what I want. And he said, and it's not what you'll ever get because you're too dang ugly. Oh my God. No man's going to want you. That's why you bury your nose in books. I said, then let me take the higher math and science. He goes, they are forbidden to females. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what my mom says. My mom, my, my, my mom says they're trying to get us back to that time. Yes, they are. That's why they took away our right to abortion. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about that because I will go ape about it. <laughs> yeah. So am my mom. I will say, all I will say is do your research on Project 2025. If the, if it's allowed to happen, then we're going to be in a very sad state in the next couple of weeks. Well, we already are. Yeah. Well, I no, agree with you, although it's talking about. 
I, I don't want to get too into it, but Project exactly. 2025 will give whoever becomes president absolute power. Yep. They won't have to confer with uh, a house with house representatives and things like that. So this is not what we want. So anyone listening, do your diligence and vote. Amen. Amen. And, and research who you're voting for. Yes. Yep. I'm voting for Freddie. <laughs> Same. Same. Yes. Let's yeah. have a Freddie Jason platform. Freddie Jason, 2024. Speaking of Freddie, speaking of Freddie, when I get back from break, because I do have to take another break, I'm not going to let us just talk and get cut off this time. I'm going to break. <laughs> uh, when we get back, though, I will be asking you guys for your least favorite scene. So I will be right back after this, guys. All right, guys, and we are back. And okay, so I'm going to ask you guys what your least favorite scene is. Um, I think some of us already maybe discussed it or maybe, you know, um, just skimmed over it or whatever. But, um, uh, Constance, what's your least favorite scene in uh, what's Graham's this new nightmare? Just because it reminds me too much of my own experience. I'm sorry. You don't accuse a mother of doing anything unless you have proof. So I'm sorry. The whole security guards dragging Heather in and making her sit down and then her being accused of all this stuff that was a scene that was really hard for me because it just yeah. brought me back to the hospital room and me being accused of taking illegal drugs or like meth or something because i was skinny so right yeah, yeah i can understand that and matt how about you sir what was your um least favorite uh scene I have to see one more movie where a child walks across a busy ass highway. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me so much anxiety, and I'm like, and, and I'm just, oh, I don't, I understand why they do it, but they, yeah, I've seen it in so many movies, and I'm just like, you know, somebody get this kid out of the road. Why right. are cars still driving past this child? Like, pull over and right. grab this child. I, that scene gives me so much. Just, <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> and yeah. uh, David, how about you? What was your least favorite scene? Well, it kind of ties in with uh, Constance's uh, least favorite and what we've been talking about. Um, just pretty much anything that has to do with the hospital. Because like I said, I work in a hospital. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I see... You know what, Const what Constance was talking about. I see that every day in the e every night in the ER. Mm. It's like you know. I'm just gonna say this right now. Pretty much anything to do with the hospital, I didn't like because it reminds me of work. Right. I mean, uh, real life. It's kind of hard being a horror fan because there are some things that take place in the hospital, and it gives me kind of a PTSD thing because mm -hmm. when 
I'm home. I want to relax. I don't want to see anything in the hospital. I mean, that used to, I had these friends who every week wanted to watch house and I would be like, I'm out, I'm gone. See ya. And they'd be like, but this is such a brilliant TV show. It's got great writing. And, um, I forget the guy that plays house. What's his name? I forget his name. Hugh Laurie. Yeah, and Hugh Laurie is such a great actor. And it's such a brilliant show. But it takes place in a hospital. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see a show about doctors. I have to deal with doctors every night. Mm-hmm. That's why I – and that's why, you know, Rose tried to get me to watch this show called The Good Doctor, which is about a doctor who – Yeah, autism. Yeah, autism. autism, yeah. And she's trying to tell me that – this is such a an awesome show, it's such a good um, show, and I'm just like, but it takes place in a hospital with doctors. I hate doctors. Yeah. And well, see, that's like me. I don't. I swear, I do not talk on the phone anymore because of my Pizza Hut job. When I when I lived back in Detroit, uh, I worked at Pizza Hut, and I would. I was on the phones, it seemed like all day, every day. So when I get home, that's the last thing I'm going to do. I, I tell you, there were, there were times. I do not want to talk. Because when I'm, the, the telephone is still the, the communication line, it's still the lifeline of the hospital where we communicate. And the phone, I just, I dread hearing a phone ring and just having to be on the phone all the time that when I come home and I hear the phone ring, I turn into Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns. Remember that scene where she just goes completely nuts with her answering machine and her phone? That's me. <laughs> Boy, when we had, when I lived at home um, and I was first started working in the hospital and had to, you know, be on the telephone and hear the phone ringing it would drive me nuts into where I would just turn into Selena Kyle and just bash the phone. <laughs> and, uh, well, Miss Rose, I think we, you've already told us your least favorite singing. Actually, no. Oh, okay. Is that... Yes, I don't like that scene or any of the hospital stuff. However, my least favorite scene has to do with Dylan. When he's standing there staring at the original nightmare and Heather unplugs the TV and then he just starts screaming. What the heck, dude? Like I said, you reminded me of the Baba Duke kid in that scene. So let me explain you what that is. If he was that scared, he'd have been Mm, screaming. And why did he Let's, stop when the phone rang and just look over at the phone with that side eye? There's a very simple explanation for what's happening there. He is sleepwalking. And you are not supposed to be. Yeah, I think they said in the movie he yeah. didn't play sleepwalking. Yeah. Okay, sleepwalking and you're not supposed yeah, to ever wake up Walker. Well, actually, they've proven that wrong. Well, that's that's the consensus that they say in movies and stuff that you're not supposed yeah, to wake back, up a sleepwalker, that, that it can cause trauma. And that's what that is supposed to represent. Yeah. That's why he screams okay. when she just 
TV because he comes to he comes to reality. Right, yeah, right. right. Still, it was an annoying scene for me, just having the kid screaming yeah, out of yeah. control. Yeah, because I, I mean, a lot of kids, and I've had sleepwalkers. Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, uh, Dylan was never acted like that when I woke up. Yeah, I don't think Dylan was trying to be annoying or anything like that. Yeah, I just think that um, I just thought that Freddie was getting to him during that time. So then during that time, uh, when he when he woke up, he probably uh, he probably was still seeing Freddie because Freddie was trying to c- come up into our world. Remember. So I think that he still saw Freddie even after he woke up. That's that that, that was my understanding no, of your it. Your theories anyway. are good, but, but it doesn't take away from the fact that the uncontrolled screaming is oh, something that fair. just exactly. fucks me off. That's fair. That's totally and I fair. I see it every day at work. These yes. kids will just start screaming for what seems like no reason, and they won't tell you why they're screaming. And then they walk out of your classroom or storm out of your classroom and cause chaos. And I guess so, that's and, what it reminds me of. I'm waiting for him to cause chaos. Right. And some of that could be mental as well, Ms. Rose. I know, yeah. um, I, I listen, I know how blessed I am that um, Christopher is n- not more unstable with his autism. Mm-hmm. He is very high functioning. But I know some people who don't have high functioning kids who has, you know, trouble with their um with their child that has autism, but they are not high functioning. They are very low functioning. And they have these outbursts and they, you know, yep. they scream and they can't even tell you why they're screaming. And yeah. I work with those kids too. But I'm talking about gen ed kids who do this. Not sped kids, gen eds. Oh, oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you have those kids that are, that don't have any mental and, you know, that they're just exactly. kind of entitled. Yeah, you do have that. I'm not going to say you don't. I mean, it happens every single day. I mean, we understand that, you know, they're growing, their minds, their bodies are changing and all of that. But they need to talk. They need, instead of just outbursting, they need to talk. And getting them to do that is hard and it really maybe the reason it bothers me more most is because it reminds me that i can't read them all yeah unfortunately can't as hard as i may try and as much as i may want to i'm still trying yeah i mean don't go i mean this is my son has autism and ADHD combined. So, I mean, it's like, I totally understand what Latrice goes through because my son has these outbursts where if he thinks you're about ready to yell at him or get on him or raise your voice, he goes into this mode of 
just shutting down. Oh, and Christopher will do like this. Christopher grabs his ears if he thinks that we're about to be mad at him or yell at him. Well, and, and, and that's the same thing um, CJ does too. He'll cover his ears and he'll start going, no, 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 no. And we'll have, and we know that we can't rush at him. We can't force him to do anything. And there's sometimes when we drop him off at school that when he does this, we cannot drop him off at school until we drive yep. him around and let him calm down. Then mm -hmm. we can take it to school. So yeah, I, I had to do that with my daughter too. She had autism, ADD, and ODD. Oh, science. Oh yes. I raised, I raised that. That was that was real fun. And there were, were many days where I just had to turn around and take my kid home. Not going to school today. Yeah. Well, and see, that's why I say, say you know, I, I know how blessed I am because Christopher, he doesn't have outbursts, um, you know, uh, most of the time he doesn't. He is very cool and calm. And, and I think that's, you know, probably because me and Brian are the same way. You know, me and Brian, we, you know, we, we're not confrontational people. We don't um, look nor start drama or anything like that and we don't raise our voices we try not to anyway and uh and so and that's how christopher is you know so yeah yeah but um and when you combine five or six different dysfunctions and yeah. disorder syndrome oh yeah that's, that's when it becomes and even now that she's 30, still has trouble. Oh, right, right. And calls me, okay, I need to bed. I just need to yell and scream at somebody. I'm like, all right, go for it. And then I go in the other room and play my game. <laughs> all right, guys. When you heard it happen, he thought that my child was actually yelling and screaming at me and calling me those names. But it's a simple, it's like when you're really frustrated, so you go and you you start punching a punching bag because you really want to punch a person. But at least you're punching a bag and not hurting anyone. Well, my child needs to yell at a person, not a doll. And since I know this, I'm like, okay, fire away. And I listen for the problem in case advice is sought. If no advice is sought, we got our frustrations out and we're ready to move on. Right. And right. that's what I wish the kids at school could do. I don't care if you want to have your little hissy fit. But then move on from it. Don't keep dwelling on it. And that's exactly what they do is they dwell. So that's why seeing Dylan just screaming. And no matter what the mom does, it doesn't calm him. Is like a trigger. <laughs> it's a trigger. Right, right. Not for a while. Just like the hospital seems to trigger me. Exactly. And right. the doctor attacking the mom triggers campus. 
Constance. I'm sorry, Constance. to go on to the last question which is uh because my, my next question was going to be um uh whose kill scene was your favorite but i think we can all agree that julie was uh, because um, i mean there was not even that many death scenes in this movie i think the only kill that really happened uh was like a freddy kill um there was chases and uh then there was um the jewelers the babysitters yeah Julie. yeah yeah so that the, but you didn't really see chases very well uh -uh. the Our only one that we ball. saw was julie well it was a that and the funeral scene was enough to affect me because in our last podcast latrice remember how uh, we talked about how my dad died when i was four yeah he died in a car accident. Oh, and wow. It's, it's, it, it, well, this and the funeral scene kind of hits home with me because what, you know, Heather Langkamp's going through is what I'm sure my mother was going through. Oh, yeah. After dad died. Most definitely. Yeah. And she had a boy about the same age as Dylan. Yeah, but I didn't right. scream at Freddy. I <laughs> know what I heard when you shut down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh so I'm That's gonna skip right. I'm gonna skip that question and go on to the last question which is um how does new nightmare pertain to the Bible? And I'll I'll go ahead and um uh go first this time. Uh, okay, so I came up with two things that I took away from um, New Nightmare. One was Freddie messing with Dylan and Nancy's love for her son. So I, I went with Nancy's love for her son because it totally resembles, it, well, it, it res resonated with me as I fiercely love my son, as you guys all know that. Um, you know, my, my little boy is everything to me. So, uh, uh, and Dylan was everything to Nancy and the new nightmare. And, you know, I, and so I can't say that I wouldn't have done exactly what Nancy did, you know, from taking from, you know, just making sure Dylan was okay, you know, cuddling with him and stuff. And then taking him to the um, hospital when she thought something was wrong was wrong with them and stuff so um the scripture that i did come up with um um and i'm not even sure if it really goes with it but um i wrote down um isaiah 49 15a it says can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb 
And, you know, uh, it's the only scripture that really resonated with me when I was trying to look for scriptures that uh, for loving moms. Uh, that was the only scripture that I read that, you know, was like, oh, okay. So it really resonates with what Nancy was going through with Dylan. And it also resonates with me as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's... Uh, that that mother who is moved, moved by compassion in other words you know uh uh and um you know us mothers we are not going to allow anyone to hurt our child and we're not going to sit by and not do anything about it either and nancy became proactive because she knew something was going on with her son so and that's all i have for that <laughs> yeah, that, that buzzing is back I, I hear it yeah yeah and i just had yeah. a weird thought about that buzzing uh, i watch a lot of these um youtube videos where they will take a recording like that and play it at a different speed and play it backwards and it's somebody else talking so I'm sitting here. Maybe Wes Craven's trying to say something to us. Oh, I gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that is uh, something from the Twilight Zone. Uh, but uh, we're throwing that out there, you know. We are just <laughs> This is a horror movie podcast, after all. So. Exactly, I <laughs> So why wouldn't Wes Craven want to throw his two cents in there? Oh, gosh. Right. Uh, but, um, uh, well, we'll work through it for at least a couple of more minutes because um, I have to go to break in about five or ten minutes anyway. So, uh, but, um, uh, Matt, do you have an opinion on um, how it could pertain to the Bible? I miss your answers. I went, I went in a completely different direction. Um, but for me... Uh, it seems to be a statement on um, thou shalt not worship any gods before me. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Freddy Krueger was relegated almost to God status because of the movies, and that's how the entity was able to glom onto him and cross into our own world. It just shows, you know, you know maybe that's why we don't gods before our god you know we don't worship so true our horror like idols like false idols because look what could happen yeah so amen to that i didn't even think about that and that's so true you know because we do tend to mix um people our idols we really do. And, uh, and David, how about you? Uh, do you have an opinion on how it could well, pertain to the Bible? Yeah, I know. I know Rose is going to totally blow me out of the water, but uh, um, I got something that kind of goes along with what Matt was saying. It's from Deuteronomy uh, thirteen uh, one point three or one through three. Sorry. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces you a sign or wonder and if the sign or wonder spoken takes place and the prophet says let us follow other gods gods you have not known 
and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord, your God, is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. We can say that Freddy Krueger is that prophet. Yes. Amen. Amen to that. They've been around the same wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, for sure. And uh, uh, Miss Rose, how about you? How do you think it uh, pertains to the Bible? Okay. There are a lot of dreamers in the Bible. A lot of people who have dreams and visions that is actually, that are actually prophecy. And Wes Craven actually pulled Freddie out of his very nightmares. Yeah. So, in a way, I can compare him to those dreamers and that something was coming, only if for him it was something he created from his nightmares. And I know this is going to sound funny, but close your eyes and picture it. In the Bible, it talks about the writing on the wall If I'm pronouncing that right, sorry, I am not up on my ancient Babylonian, Assyrian, whatever Akkadian, whatever language that was. I know they're all coined. And of course, uh, I believe it was Daniel was called in to interpret what it meant. But the writing on the wall, you've got the glove, the hand of what both Matt and David have just identified as the new God uh-huh. writing on the wall in Heather's bedroom. Okay, so we were supposed to believe at first it was the earthquake that cracked the wall. But in the form of Freddy's glove slashing the wall for reals. Right. You've got four marks just like the four words. And the four words were meaning the downfall of the kingdom. And is that not what the entire movie was about? Yeah. The downfall if we let Freddy into this world. So Heather, in a sense, is the archangel coming in to save the world from Freddy coming through. So that that new God could not manifest in this realm. And it just happens that that new God is actually one of the most ancient gods here before mm-hmm. the Abrahamic God. And it has been battling with him for ages. And he thinks he can now come through. But then I also 
Poland suffer the little children to come unto me. Mm -hmm. Well, who's suffering the most in all of this? Right, right. Because he's trying to come through Dylan's nightmares. And so all of these different things come together in my head anyway as tie-ins to the Bible. Right. It's not just any one thing, it's a bunch of things. But then are you even supposed to take the Bible one thing at a time or as a whole? Right. Right. So there's my theory. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that one too. And uh, uh, Constance, I have to take a little break on, but uh, when we get back, I'll ask you uh, for your opinion too. And uh, hope, hopefully this will be the last break for us to take. So, all right, we'll be right back. All right, Warriors, we are back. And uh, Constance, you're the last one for the last question. Um, uh, how do you think it pertains to the Bible? And, uh, of course, if you don't have an opinion, you do not have to answer at all. There's really nothing I could say. Matt said it all. Don't put God before anybody else, you know? Yeah. I mean, all of you guys kind of took a little piece of what I theorized. There was, like, many different theories I had come up with with this. So, there's really nothing I could say. You guys said it all for me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We uh, we all had something really good, you know, uh, to put on the table. I, I tell you what, I never thought about, you know, um, the false God part of it. Mm -hmm. I really never did. I never thought about that. Well, guys. Well, yeah. Uh -huh. Especially in that scene, especially in that scene where they're doing the interview and he comes out and there's the that cinematographer uh, that cinematographic moment where he's the light is hitting him and he's waving and the, oh and the yeah, lights. it's very it's very worst me worst Freddy yeah right yeah so, yeah you're right about that well, that's also mirrored when. Heather is in the office of New Line, and you've got that Warholic uh, painting on the wall yep. of Freddie, mm -hmm. done like Marilyn. Oh, yeah. And Andy Warhol. Yep. He, Andy Warhol, worshipped Marilyn Monroe, and yep. so he made what he felt was a godlike image of Marilyn. Mm. And then there it is of Freddie. Well, done the exact same way. Well, you know what they call New Line Cinema, don't you? No. The house that Freddie built. Yep. Yep, they did. They did. Yep, true. But, you know, seeing or hearing what you were saying about the lighting... <laughs> And then the fact that Warhol had even called Marilyn his goddess. Mm -hmm. That's why he painted her in what in his chemical 
heat-induced fog brain saw as godlike images in the uh, silk screen, and then having Freddie done that way, it just tied that in so perfectly. And even Heather stared at it when she was talking to the guy. She's looking beyond him to see the painting. And you can tell that because they slightly offset from the uh, executive and more focused on what was behind him. And it was like, yep, there it is. Worship Freddy. He's got his shrine right there on the wall. Oh, right, right. Yeah, well, you know, he made New Line Cinema because New Line Cinema, before um, the front of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, was just a very fledgling, independent. And it was about to go bankrupt. Yes. So, Freddie, you know, made that place the powerhouse yep. that it right. is today. Yeah, yeah. And I do have five fun facts here, and uh, it, it's pretty funny that we um, talk about that because that's actually my first fun fact, actually. Um, uh, the television show appearance was inspired by a real encounter. According to Wes Craven, uh, he says, uh, Ro- this is Wes Craven now, he said, uh, Robert England and I did an appearance together on, pub- on public television in the san francisco area it was about whether this kind of movie was bad for children or not there were parents in the audience and then kids all the kids leaped to their feet and started chanting freddy 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 and and wes goes on to say "I, i remember looking at the show host and the parents and they all looked horrified Um, my fun fact number two. My fun fact number two is um, Robert England has said that this is his favorite movie of all the Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, along with Freddy's makeup being his favorite look. Um, my fun fact number three is um, Michael Hughes was a Freddy fan way before filming. He would watch them uh, put the makeup on Robert England every day. Um, my fun fact number four is um, um, the film has no opening titles and you guys probably um, caught that uh, and the film yep. has no opening titles to blur the illusion of whether it's a film a documentary or something else altogether fair yes <laughs> Uh, and my fun fact number five is uh, now, and I put this um, as a fun f- fact for a selfish reason. For a selfish reason, I'll tell you guys uh, the reason after I read it. Uh, during the freeway scene, when Heather ducks for the director trailer to go over her, this was done with a green screen. It took around 100 takes to get the shot right. The next day. Heather couldn't walk because she was so sore sore from doing the takes. Kind of like how I am sore right now. Because yesterday, 
you know, we took uh, Christopher to a birthday party and, <laughs> and long story short, I am so out of shape, guys. Oh my gosh. My son was just the running and having a good time. I'm running after him and I'm, <sighs> and my legs gave out on me. I hit my, my poor neck. I hit my neck on something. It cracked and I thought that I was dead. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you're yeah. yeah. Definitely. My God. And so <laughs> now. I did and fall out of the bouncy house <laughs> in front of your kid and land on your head. And so today I am feeling it, guys. That's why I'm so tired. I'm like, oh, my God. So I, I can barely keep myself up right now. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Uh, so, yeah. I, I feel Heather's I pain. I have uh, two little fun facts for you. Uh-huh. Um, the first one, uh, as I told you, I met Miko Hughes at a convention. Um, I asked him um, what was his favorite movie that he had done like, as a child. And this one was it because he remembered it the most. Mm-hmm. He said this was like the first one that I really could remember doing. He's like, uh, I'm sure Pet Cemetery was fun, but I was so young when we did that one. I didn't remember it. He said this one was was so neat. The sets, the costumes, and everything. He had a blast on that. Which would explain why he came back to do this short fan film um, about Dylan. Um, the second one is an article I just recently read about the characters or the actors that are present during the, um, the funeral scene. Um You'll notice that uh, Patricia Arquette is not there, but Tuesday night was. Yes. And it, it, it was Wes Craven's way of saying that Tuesday night per- performed Kristen the way he would, the way he wrote her originally. Right. And it, so she, she was his Kristen. Ah. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool article. A really neat fact. It was that is a neat fact, actually. No hate, our no, cat. She was amazing, but we do love our Tuesday night. Yes, Tuesday night. I, I, she is. I mean, like you said, no hate to, towards Patricia because she actually did nail Kristen. You know, I thought she did yeah. anyway. I, I even even though. Was Craven, you know, like you said, you know, uh, Tuesday night was probably the question that Wes Craven would have had. Uh, but but to me, Patricia Arquette owned it too. So, uh, oh, I met I met to um Tuesday night. I did too. I did. I didn't get uh I didn't get a, a autograph of her, but I did get a I didn't get a picture with her. What I did was I took a picture of her and yeah. she let me take a picture of her for free because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the picture or anything like that. But, um, you know, she, I, I just, uh, she let me take a picture of her and she was pretty, she was pretty neat. It's pretty, uh, pretty neat. I, I met her that, um, I met her that year at, at Frightmare, um, cause I kept hanging out with Leslie Dean at her table. Uh, because we we that was the year we became friends, right? And 
apparently they used to be roommates. So whenever I was hanging out over there with Leslie Dean, she would leave her table and come over to Leslie's table to come talk to me because, you know, big crazy drag queen over here, she, you know, she had, had to meet me. So she was super sweet. She was. She was. Well, we move on to the cast and crew that has passed on. And there, there is actually quite a few um, that passed on. Well, not, well, what, let's see, one, two, three, four. Well, only four. Um, of course, Wes Craven, who we have been discussing and who has been, I guess, tr trying to interrupt my podcast for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> uh, he was the director and the writer. And he passed away on August 30th, 2015, due to brain cancer. And he was 76 years old. Uh, wow. Uh, yes, yes. Um, and Gretchen Oler, I think that's her last name, Gretchen Oler, she played the script supervisor. Uh, she died, okay. yeah, she died on September 8th, 2001, due to cancer. And she was 57 years old. My God, she died, what, three days before 9-11 happened. Goodness. Wow. I'm glad um, she never had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that same thing, that I'm glad she didn't have to, you know, witness. Uh, Mr. John Saxon. Um, which is so crazy because when I discussed uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and I discussed the original on Nightmare on Elm Street, he had not passed away yet. Uh, he passed away on, June, uh, on July 25th, 2020 due to pneumonia and he was 83 years old. I'd have loved to have met him, but for other movies he did. Oh, yeah, he was in a lot of movies. I, I heard that he was in Kung Fu movies. Yeah, and he did, you know, a lot of, you know, B-horror movies. Uh, he was in um, Beyond Evil and um, Cannibal well, Apocalypse. And, and my personal favorite, My Mother's a Werewolf. Good one. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> also, a uh, Cannibal Holocaust too, though. No, it was Cannibal Apocalypse. Wait, Cannibal he wasn't Hol in. No, he wasn't in Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, I I don't know Cannibal Apocalypse. I know Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Apocalypse is the one with they're the they're ex Vietnam soldiers that have come back and they're zombies. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of something completely different. You're thinking <laughs> of the Diodato film. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, I have just one more death. It's our fa favorite, Fran Bennett, who plays D Dr. Hefner. Uh, she passed away on September 12th, 2021. Now, no no cause of death was given, but she was 84 years old. Well, she was probably being abused. <laughs> Matt, cut it out. 
Now, if it ever comes out that she was, are you going to feel badly that you said that? No. <laughs> it's usually my job to say tacky stuff like that, but Matt, you beat me to it. Yes, he did. Yes, he did, David. He's the most certainly did. David is yeah, known, but then yeah. Matt, you're known for it too. But David does the same thing you do, Matt. Let's say whenever I see a woman in a movie with a Diane Weist haircut, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, the that, hair. I cannot watch Lost Boys without, like, busting out laughing. My husband's looking at me weird every time she gets on the screen. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, gosh. And I did you proud, too, Matt, the last time that I did discuss the Lost Boys, but a, a whole different guest list. I sure did talk about Diane Weiss here. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, okay, so now I move I on to the Grouper's reaction. Now I'll go on okay. to the Grouper's reaction. Um, I asked my group um, some questions, and you know, I, I forgot to do it last night. I usually do it the day before. Now, because now, um, Brian told me, he said, you know, you shouldn't do it the day of. Do it the day, the day before so people can actually, you know, uh, answer. And I, I say, yeah, that's a good idea. So I now do it the day before, but I, I was so tired yesterday, I forgot. I completely forgot to do it. After after um, we got home from the birthday party. Uh, so I did it this morning and I did get five comments. Um, I'll, I'll only read off three of them, but um, I asked the group, I said, hey everyone, what do you guys think about New Nightmare? Do you guys think it held up to the first one? What was your favorite scene? And whose kill scene did you like the best? Um, let's see, I will, um, Jamila Gault, she answered and she said this was an excellent movie the creativity of Wes Craven to make it like they were writing a new movie but it was coming to life at the same time was brilliant my favorite scene is when Freddie was under the covers in Dylan's room and John and Nancy were talking to each other wondering why they were using their movie names instead of their real names she said I'm telling you I love this one and then uh, William Sharp says he loved it, too. He says, um, I loved it other than one part. I thought that it was a creative piece of work to have a movie within a movie, basically. The only scene that I didn't like was where the demon was being burned at the end. At the point in which the movie was shot, they had better special effects to make it look far more real. It just looked so fake. <laughs> <laughs> it does look crazy. And the tongue flipping up and down yeah. in his mouth. <laughs> you know what I kept thinking? Um, Rex, um, somebody was talking about Rex. You know what that got me to thinking? I kept waiting for like the end scene. Because remember how um, Dil um, what what's Miko Hughes' character's name again? Dylan. 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 Dylan was talking about how Rex protects him from the man on the floor which I'm sure he's referring to Freddy. I kept waiting at the end for there to be where, you know, 
Rex comes to life to be the protector, and he turns into like an actual T-Rex, and then Freddy gets bigger. And we have, you know, the most awesome kaiju movie ever, T-Rex versus Freddy Krueger. That would have rocked. That would have been cool. That would have been been entertaining, if nothing else. I mean, can you imagine uh, Freddy Krueger fighting a big dinosaur? Yes. And it was the year after Jurassic Park. It would have been perfect. And I could actually hear the wise cat. Yeah, you only wish you had claws like these. (laughs) (laughs) And the last fun fact that I will read off is uh, Leah McLaughlin. She says, I actually think this one is criminally underrated. And she's right. Uh, uh, Freddy is actually a lot scarier in this one as opposed to the other movies. And she says, fantastic film. So, I totally agree. Unfortunately, the reason behind that was because it's not actually supposed to be Freddy. It's, It's supposed to be this dark entity that takes the form of Freddy because, um, that's how crap for so long. So I love that they went with the darker, um, the darker image, the darker you know tone to it all. It just it it really ties it all together. It does. And make mm-hmm. a superior. It does. I I kind of like what you said because it's criminally underrated. It's probably because it came out in the '90s. I mean, we always talk about what a great decade of horror the '80s were. Well, nineties was nineties was equally as great as the eighties. Yeah, I just happen I just happen to love the eighties more, but nineties was equally as great. Yeah, but we don't talk about the nineties as much. We always talk about the seventies and the eighties, and you know some of the great stuff that's happened from two thousand on. But we you rarely hear a lot of people talk about the nineties, which I think ha- like like um. Well, yesterday, like like I said yesterday, I. Uh, discussed um, Slumber Party Massacre 3, and that came out in the in 1990, you know, a yeah. year after 89. So, and the movie we're talking about next week um, that I'm going to be on. Uh, 976 been, Evil 90, 2. Yeah, that was in 92. I remember watching mm-hmm. that on the Sci-Fi Channel, but we'll get into that next week. Yes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, but it just... It just seems like the 90s were just a criminally underrated decade. Until Scream came out. Until Scream, yeah. Like, but yeah. Until Scream, which was like directed by Wes Craven. So there you go. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Once Scream happened, yeah. Once Scream happened, it was like, it was teen slasher after teen slasher after teen slasher. Um, but there was a a period of time between the 80s and the 90s or between that you know 80s and and before scream was made you know horror had pretty much taken a back seat to everything else Um, yeah we were in we were in goofy comedy comedy territory in the early 90s like that was dominate the movies i think Mm -hmm. there was some great sci-fi too jurassic park carnosaur Uh, Yes, agreed. Yeah, but there, if you really look, there were some great gems uh, during that uh, straight-to-video doldrums that we were living in until Scream came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. 
I definitely yeah. agree. Yeah. Like we like the one we just been talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. And Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare, which came out in '91. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And has an uh, awesome soundtrack. <laughs> I get. I like Leslie. <laughs> I like I like Leslie's character. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Leslie's character was badass. Yes. Yes. By the way. Which is? Oh come on, we just watched it. Oh, Max, everyone... oh Maxim Overdrive. That was like '86. So that was the best soundtrack. Ever. Yes. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. <laughs> Maximum Overdrive had a had a fabulous soundtrack. Yeah, DC, yes. DC, man. Yes, yes, yes. Well, guys, we have actually come to the end of my podcast. I don't have any more questions or no more fun facts and no more um, uh, people have passed on from the movie. And, and uh, I read off the grouper's reactions. So we have come to the end. And I do thank you guys for, well, first of all, to the listeners, I thank you all for... Um, uh, bearing with us as you listen, because, you know, we have to uh, go off, you know, for a second or two there because there was a sound. Well, I guess maybe what's great was trying to, you know, make an appearance. But uh, <laughs> when we hear that sound, we're taught where somebody who passed on from that movie was is trying to put in their two cents. In. Right, right, right. You know, so, uh, but uh <laughs> I'll go with that because this is a horror movie podcast and because this is spooky season. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I, I thank you guys for bearing with me. I hope my I hope my fiance is equally as um, understanding about it. Uh, but uh, 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 I do thank you guys. And I thank you guys, my guests. I thank you guys for hanging on in there because I know each and every one of us is tired. Uh, Constance, you had your hunt last night. David, you had your play last night. I had my, um, the birthday party I took Christopher to. And Matt, I don't know why you're so tired, but you do look tired, my love. I, uh, I was doing, uh, I was early, in the early day doing some videos for YouTube or for TikTok. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what Connie said that. Constance said that you yeah. said that uh, you were bringing June back. Yeah. Yep, I am bringing back to TikTok. Uh, I'm just doing some videos. I've, I've met a guy uh, here uh, that also does TikTok. And he, he has a band called Jason and the Krugers. And they do, uh, they do parody, like they do songs about horror movies. And he dresses up like a zombie and plays. So I was, uh, we were doing some videos together, and then I was with them until late last night at a local haunt here uh, while he was performing. And uh, I will be working at the haunt starting tonight. Oh, so. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. so I just got great. A question. I just got to say this. I'm going to take a wild guess because you said you were in a shadow cast too. Yes. Frankenfurter? Absolutely. 100%. Guess who I was? Guess who uh, I was? I'm, I'm going to say Rip Ralph. You got well, it. Yeah. You, <laughs> that's, that's who I would cast you as. I would yeah. definitely Rip Ralph. Yeah. I was Rip Ralph this year and I was Brad last year. 
yeah, I um, I was Shreveport's quintessential Frankenfurter for about two years. So, <laughs> and you and I bet you met Tim Curry in 2019. Twice. Yep. Um, I'm I met him in 2017 and 2019. In 2017, I dressed like Frankenfurter when I met him, and he, he was very complimentary. Yeah, no. he kissed uh, my wife and my mother's hand. That's he's he's a gem. He is a, a that I was just hand. gonna say that's very gentlemanly, gentlemanly of him. Yes, yeah, he was a gentleman. He, he's a treasure. Yes, he's a treasure. All right. Well, guys, you know what? Um, uh, next week, um, I will be back with three more episodes. Uh, Friday, I get Matt again. I get to be with Matt again. We are going to be um uh discussing Scream Five with um yes. uh, with Bridget. Um, oh my goodness, what is her last name? I know her first name is Bridget. Uh, I mean not Bridget, Brittany. Her a uh, Brittany Ridgeway. That's her name, Brittany Ridgeway. Yes. And uh, it, and um, a, a high school friend of mine, she might join. I I, I don't know if she um, get on or not, but she is supposed to be on. Her name is LaQuinta Marson. I actually went to high school with her. Um, and then on Saturday, I will be doing the Howling, the original Howling, guys. I I I, I love my werewolves. I actually love werewolves more than I love vampires. Um. And uh, that is going to be with um, uh, Jay Bullington and Marlene Miller. And, uh, and then on Sunday, I'll be with David. And we will be doing uh, 976 Evil 2. Can't wait. I can't wait either. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, that's all she wrote, guys. And until next week. I, uh, this has been Latrice Carter, uh, Costas Goodrich, Matt Latz, David, and Rose Hahn, and we will see you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.